There's huge capacity for mines to create jobs, to give back to local communities. If you do not provide solid information, they will actually withdraw the funds. When starting the process is to have that full buy-in and leadership from the top. Hi, this is Arnie Goldstein, and I'm the head of company services at TMX Group based out of Vancouver. And welcome to the Exchange Feed podcast series. Today we're talking about my first sustainability report. And with me today, I have Louise, Mariana, and Natalie, and I'm going to ask each of you to introduce yourselves, um, who you are, where you work, and, and what you do. My name is Natalie Poznanski. I'm with First Majestic Silver Corp. I'm the sustainability manager, and I've been with them for four years. I'm Louise Burgess. Um, I work with Eldorado Gold as their Director of Communications and Government Relations. I've been with Eldorado for eight years now. Yeah, we'll go with eight years. Hi, this is Mariana Fervanese uh, with Great Panther Mining Limited. I'm the VP of Social Responsibility, and I have been with Great Panther for 13 years now. Um, thanks, everybody, for coming in to talk about this. And ESG and sustainability and the whole topic is really blowing up in the market right now. Um, and what we're here to talk about today, though, is there's a lot of companies that do sustainability reports. There's a lot of companies that have never done a sustainability report. And we kind of want to get some insight into companies who or, or that time when you you did your first sustainability report. And so the question is, you know, what is the business case to start? What was the impetus for your company to, to create a sustainability report? Was your was it your CEO that was supportive, or was it your board supportive, or where did that come from, um, Natalie? For us, it was a lot about adopting transparency practices that was on par with our peers. So, one the idea the idea of doing it in the form of a report was also to be able to consolidate a lot of our sustainability disclosures all into one place so that they could be used with, for in communication with our various different stakeholder groups. And in terms of su internal and, and leadership support, the CEO uh, in our case is, is fully supportive and as well as the board. And I, I think that's a really uh, critical component to have uh, when starting the process is to have that full buy-in and leadership from the top. Sounds good. Louise? Yeah, I was just uh, saying before, we're, we're trying to remember back to when we actually first did our our first sustainability report, and it was actually back in 2011. So that's um, nine years ago now. Um, and it was, it was largely uh, done because we had a lot of European shareholders at the time, and they were looking and kind of demanding that we would uh, put out more transparency around ESG metrics, um, environmental, social, and governance metrics. Um, so it was driven largely by our stakeholders. Um, prior to that point in time, we, we were reporting more to our philosophy around um, ESG issues rather than providing the performance metrics. So it certainly um, kind of evolved from when the company first started, which is back in 1992, up to that kind of really first sustainability report in 2011. So you mentioned that you were getting some feedback from your, your European investors. Um, what kind of questions were you getting around ESG from the investors? 
The, the main one was around safety, actually, safety of our people. Um, and they wanted to understand and make sure that, um, well, they, well, they were asking questions about were, um, were sustainability metrics built into our corporate scorecard? So were the executive team actually being um, remunerated based on ensuring that there was safety of our people? Um, and I think a lot of that was driven by what was happening in the industry at the time. Um, and that's continued to evolve as ESG um, has evolved. You know, there's a lot of other issues now that we're all kind of looking at more closely, tailings management being one of them. Um, but I think it was also driven too by um, the GRI, the Global Reporting Initiative. Um, and around 2011, they had a, a, a comply, a, a report or explain uh, database that they launched. And um, so, we, so we decided to report and actually uh, take those steps towards uh, providing our stakeholders with what they were looking for. Excellent. Mariana? For Green Panther, it was a little bit of both. Uh, part of the, the company has um, acquired two assets in two new countries. Uh, we originally started with the mines in Mexico. Then we acquired a project in Peru. And last year, we acquired a project, a mine, operating mine in Brazil. So um, it, we see it, and the team, including the board, sees the sustainability reporting as a process can have benefits for internal stakeholders, for the company and the different teams in all the different countries, and also for the external stakeholders. And I think uh, thinking about the main uh, driver was the, the request for information for the investment community that actually has put this pretty high up in the agendas of the different management teams and boards. Excellent. Were you getting questions from your investors? Yes, particularly yeah. last year after the incidents in Brazil and the tailing dams um, incidents in, in, in the mines there. And at the same time, we were acquiring a mine in Brazil. So that was a very high concern. You have funds today specifically requesting information about tailing dams management, and, and they're very, very bold and clear in the way that if you do not provide solid information, they will actually withdraw the funds, right? There was another another article today that BlackRock is actually doing the same, right? So there are different fronts where this request for transparency and information is coming from. And I think companies can use that to actually drive their sustainability management systems, right? Like, and I think all are we're taking that opportunity to cover different fronts with with this reporting, which actually we, we like to see it as a byproduct, right? Everything that goes behind and, and why do you implement your systems and how you track your KPIs, yes, will be the final product, will be the report, but everything that you do to actually have and measure and track and improve year over year is what we actually value the most internally in Great Panther. That's excellent. Um, Natalie, were you getting any questions from your investors? Not a lot. Uh, however, it's the sense is that it's going to increase more and more, a little bit on the on the tailings specifically as a topic. I think that's probably common for a lot of uh, companies. Um, 
Yeah. Particularly in the mining space for sure. Yes. Now let's talk about the planning process. Did your company do a materiality re- review prior to starting your reports or did you look at any other peers and how did how did you start with that? We'll just go around the table. We'll start with Mariana. So we adopted the Global Reported Initiative Framework too, and as part of that framework, you actually have to do a materiality assessment to determine what is material for your company and, and your, your all the, your stakeholder groups. So we did that, and I think it's a very valuable exercise because it allows the company to engage all the different groups and actually realize and try to understand what is material for them. What is material for an investor may be very, very different to what is material for someone living next to a tennis dam in Brazil. So um, it's, it's a very helpful exercise to actually focus and to, to drive the content of your report. We, we know that people do not have time to read very extensive reports. So the content and how you prioritize the, the, the information you're going to share with your different groups is, is, is very driven by that materiality assessment. And I, I, I would say exactly the same as Mariano. I mean, we, we looked at doing um, a materiality as well. We did it initially just internally ourselves um, for the first couple of reports that we did. And then we um, expanded that out to our external stakeholder groups and actually consulted with them on those material topics. And then that honed the content of our report. Um, I think that is a, a key part of ensuring that you're reporting on issues that are of relevance to your stakeholder groups. And I would highly recommend that um, for, for other issuers. Same with us. We also did a materiality assessment, and we actually did ours quite early on in the process before we even knew if we were going to be reporting the following year. So we actually ended up updating it for our report, and it was a very valuable process for us. We engaged all of our sites, and it was valuable in getting very key decision makers in the company together in a room to talk about these issues and what our strategies are on some of these issues that have an all that for the most part are front of mind, but actually looking at them together um, was was a really valuable discussion. And also we also followed the GRI um, Global Reporting Initiative standards that have very that have clear guidelines on on how to determine your material topics. And so uh, that was that's also helped us provide focus on our report. And like um, Louise just mentioned, it's a huge amount of work to collect all of this information and put it into a narrative that's going to speak to your different stakeholder groups. And so doing the materiality assessment helped us to understand, is there, or ask that question, who is this valuable for? Who is this, who, who is this important for? For the company, for which stakeholder groups? Really clearly prioritize. And that was a valuable uh, exercise internally to start developing our, our management systems with better focus on these issues. So overall, uh, the materiality assessment was, was a good process. So you've all mentioned that you use the GRI reporting standard. Are there any other standards or, or um, reporting processes that you use as well as GRI? And I'm, I'm happy to jump in there. I think um, at this point we are using the GRI, but with BlackRock's new letter that just came out this year, um, and they mentioned SASB as... Um, 
as a, as a framework, we are looking to see how we can incorporate that into our reporting as well. Um, I think the GRI, though, does speak to wider stakeholder groups, from what I understand, versus SASB, which is maybe speaking more to an investor group. So we just need to do the work internally on that one. Yes, I think um, most issuers and companies and mining companies are, are following and adopting the GRI framework. And at the same time, there's a lot of an extensive information on the financial data of the companies, right? So I think companies will have to go through that exercise of determining how much you want to integrate that information or how much you, you can actually separate the both. I think it is a very good management tool and, and, and they connect. They actually can be an excellent tool for continuous improvement. Right. If you measure your track and you understand what is material, it's important for your operations, but at the same time for different stakeholder groups, it's, it's a very useful tool because there's no one in the company that will be left out of that process. That's what we do, and it actually touches each and every area. So internally, it's a very good also exercise to, to connect with the different departments and understand how we all interconnect with each other. Are you thinking about using any other reporting standards like a um, SASB or TCFD overlay? Right now, we're it's our inaugural report, so we're focused for now on GRI. But I think with the different feedback we'll get in the coming years from different stakeholder groups, we'll consider if there's other frameworks that we should look at. Do you think that there's anything particularly unique that goes into a mining sustainability report? I would say, in particular, again, after the, the incidents with the tailing stamps in Brazil, that that is a very, very key aspect of the mining business that is very particular to, to mining. Um, that topic interests a lot of the local communities, but also a lot of government authorities, right? So there's a lot of, of work and attention and even the investment community too now, too. So I think that's something that uh, is, is, is probably very particular about the mining business that today has tremendous relevance. I think I would add to that um, the concept of sustainable development because a lot of um, mines are located in rural areas where that really is the kind of economic driver in that region. Um, there's huge capacity for mines to create jobs, to give back to local communities, to increase um, health and education in local regions. And so reporting on those things are probably more important for us in the mining industry than perhaps for some other industries. Um, I'm sure sustainable development is also of importance to them, but for us, I think it's, it's particularly important. I was gonna echo the same, more or less the same as what Louise said, the focus on, on engagement with local communities and that particular stakeholder uh, in the context probably of the extractive industries generally, but mining the expectation um, to report on on that and the impacts that we have on a regional level um, where our mines are located is uh, a unique aspect in, in extractives and particularly mining. I can see that. What was the most difficult part of the process that you're going through now? Deciding what data was going to come in and what wasn't. 
it's our very first report. So it's not, it's, we definitely are going to build on this every year, but how to determine what, what we should report and what we shouldn't in addition, like after materiality. So we're using the GRI standards. How do we match that to our material topics? And we could have reported so much, but at the end of the day, deciding what is truly a value, both to the company and to stakeholders, why are we actually collecting this data or asking these questions? Going through that and being flexible along the way to cut things out if we just realize this is no longer relevant. The, when we found out what the data was, we realized it. we were imagining something else. This is, has to go in a different direction. So allowing for that little bit of flexibility along the way while still staying true to the topics, that's been a constant um, a constant kind of challenge, but also learning learning process as well. Did you work with a consultant? We are working with a consultant in the writing of the report and the design, of course. Uh, in, we're doing all the data collection uh, and processing internally. How about you, Louise? When we did our first external materiality, we got some help with what that looked like and how to go about doing it. Um, and then we also worked with a consultant as well in some of the, the writing and the organization of the report. Um, I, I, I fully agree with Natalie that the actual organization of the data and the selection of what you want to include is um, a, a, a big part of uh, doing the project, of putting together the report. And working with a consultant that understood uh, how they, they've done it before. So being able to kind of lean on their expertise, ask a whole bunch of questions, understand how the different frameworks that we were reporting to kind of fit together as well. And when I talk about that, I'm not talking about the GRI, I'm talking about, um, you know, with a carbon disclosure and um, reporting, I guess, GHG emissions within that. And the uh, what would be another one, the an International Cyanide Management Code and things of those natures that are, I guess, environmental standards that go into the report. Um, that was really helpful just to understand the acronyms and how it all fit together. For us, the, the most challenging part was to, to ensure that we were tracking the KPIs in the same way in the different operations. Even within the at the beginning, we did an internal report, and that's probably something that that issuers may want to consider. Uh, doing an internal report can actually flag the areas that you need to keep working to ensure that the information that you once you have it and you release it to the public, you're comfortable and you're confident that those KPRs are properly tracked. Right, so with the two acquisitions in Peru and Brazil, we had to, to review their systems and, and just to make sure that if we say we're tracking water, we actually can compare the way we're tracking it in the different operations. The, the Portuguese also made my life a little bit more complicated, so we're working in three languages too, so that's something that is, is, is a good challenge too as part of it. It's also our first report. so. We're very looking forward to, to have that and, and share with with our stakeholders. So, so internally, how many people are involved in your project? Well, uh, contrary to Natalie and Louise, we have a very small team in Vancouver, so I'm I'm the lead of that uh, project. But I work very closely with the guys outside. Uh, this is their data. 
these are their systems, right? So my work is to enable and coordinate the project and just to support uh, all the questions they may have. Um, as a, to me, is very, I really like this project. It gets like very into the deep of the business and how we're gonna track and how we're gonna ensure that if we're not tracking it, because for example, in, in, in Brazil or KPIs, they were not tracking it. How are we going to actually include that in the report? And how are we going to explain that this year to our different groups and probably Brazilian authorities why we're not tracking it? I think uh, it's, it's, it's a good exercise also for, for the company to have a, a real and clear, clear vision of how you want to do business and, and why it's important that we all are part of this process. So if I have to tell this, it's pretty much the entire company. Different areas, differently have finance, HR, uh, environment, safety. Every department, legal on the governance side, every department at some point is part of the process. Well. That sounds like it's a full team effort. Yes, I, I do rely a little bit more probably on consultants because uh, as a small team here in the office, but uh, there are a lot of great consultants that actually can can help, particularly for the first report that is it's, it's a nice exercise to go through. How about at your shop, Louise? In terms of the total how, number. Uh, total number of people. Um, I would say in general, there's one individual that virtually does everything. Stefan is incredible. Um, so he would gather the data and he wrote the last report. So um, that was a huge piece of work. And then we would work with a consultant on the design. Uh, so we did a lot of it in-house and it was largely done by one person. Um, I would say in general, there's probably two people that have hands, fingers in the pie, so to speak. Um, yeah, so it, it, it's, it's a pretty small team for, from, from our shop as well. And with us, it's also fairly lean. Uh, we are definitely relying a lot on our subject matter experts in Mexico internally um, to deliver the, the data. Um, one challenge that we also ran into really early on was what Mariana said about making sure everything is being tracked and measured the same way across all sites. We were encouraged at the start because it didn't seem like it was going to be too challenging to overcome. But when we realized when we were starting to build the report narrative, that's when we had to think about, again, what Mariana said, how do we want to, how, do, how does our business look five years from now? Um, how often do you plan on updating your report? Our goal is to update it annually. And Louise? We do it annually. In the same for us, yes. Excellent. Um, we're hearing that investors don't want huge, long sustainability reports anymore, but somewhere or somewhere they can access the metrics. Um, is this something that you guys have considered for your investors? I think uh, it's, it's, it's very understandable why people do not have time to read. Like if your portfolio has 30 companies, spending the time of going through 30 reports or 40 reports, 80, 80 pages long is probably too much. So um, what we're trying to do also is just focus on the material topics and just to present and, and complement with the design and infographics and just try to present the data in a way that is actually 
easy to absorb and, and it doesn't require a lot of breeding. Um, and another component that I think is important of the report is this the separate, I don't know if you guys do it, but most of the reports have a separate data a table with just the KPIs at the end. And, and for someone that is just trying to find a specific data point, being safety or training or economic benefits, you have it there and you can actually go straight to the table and, and it's complemental to the to the report, but it's also easier to access to, to the specific data points. Okay. And Louise? Last year, we implemented a software system that better enabled us to gather the data from across the business. And one of the outputs of that system is uh, to be able to actually show that data uh, potentially live via our website. We're not there yet, um, but that is something that we're looking at building out to hopefully have by the end of the year going into next year where we would be able to provide some of the data that stakeholders are looking for um, a in, a, in a little bit more of a live format rather than just an annual report. Um, I don't see the annual report going away because I still think it speaks to a wider stakeholder group uh, that are looking for more uh, information beyond just the data itself. Uh, like who's responsible for certain aspects of the business, uh, the approach of the business, the oversight, um, the governance of those areas. That's all, I think, still going to exist in the report. But certainly, I also see us being able to better provide the data um, that stakeholders are looking for. The trend we're seeing at First Majestic is the separate uh, document with just the key performance data, the metrics, um, the numbers that would take up a lot of space in a report and don't necessarily um, kind of go with the, or they, they complement the narrative, but uh, are, are also just used by a completely different group of stakeholders, in this case, investors. So we're considering uh, presenting that separately in that format. Okay. And maybe if I can also add, actually, we put together last year an ESG presentation that was used mostly um, by the market, and it was received really, really positively. It didn't have a huge amount of data in it, but it was a snapshot, I guess, of our, our approach to responsible operations. It's always good to get good feedback from the market. Yeah. What advice would you give to another mining company who's just starting to think about possibly maybe now is the time that we need to perhaps do our first sustainability report. I think uh, the, the the pressure we're seeing is is, is getting uh, bigger and bigger, and just start. I think our, one of our main challenges at uh, Green Panther at that time was the the, the small teams. And, and how are you going to tackle this with two operations and then three and then four? I think there are a lot of benefits in, in starting this reporting. Um, how do you start to just jump in? Jump in and have that conversation with your teams and have that conversation with your sites to, to understand and get them ready. I think part of the 
I think for me, the key part of this exercise is to, to have them involved in the process from the very, very beginning. So they can be part of it and they can actually at the same time own part of the process and their, the end result as well. Yeah, I, I, I fully agree with Mariana. I mean, start small, make it manageable, focus on your materiality. Um, and that in and of itself will help you uh, decide what those key areas are that you want to focus on. Um, but from a mining perspective, you know, they're probably going to be the environment, uh, safety, people, and communities. Yeah, starting at a scale that is uh, manageable for, for the company. And our, our initial step was doing that materiality assessment. And that, I think, would be a great first step for any company. Perfect. Well, I want to thank all three of you for coming in and, and sharing your knowledge and advice to us and uh, have, a, have a great day. <laughs>